0: Did your favorite NFL team win the Super Bowl? No? Then the NFL Draft is your Super Bowl. I'm Danny Heifetz, and from now until the draft, we are turning our fantasy football show feed into the Ringer NFL Draft Show. Every Tuesday and Thursday, we talk about the top players and most important storylines for the NFL Draft. So join us on the Ringer NFL Draft Show.
1: This episode is brought to you by Thomas's. Thomas's presents technique with Tom slicing an English muffin with a butter blade. Boulder Dash, just pull apart with your hands and marvel in the nooks and crannies' splendor. For each one is unique, like a snowflake. <laughs> Thomas's huzzah! A toast to breakfast. You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit hyundaiusa.com for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey.
0: On today's episode of One Shining Podcast, the March Madness has begun and it started early. I feel bad for my Virginia Wahoos, especially friend of the program, Ty Jerome, and uh, everyone right now out in Charlottesville. Also, I feel bad for me um, and everyone that believed in my picks. I'm so sorry. We'll talk about all that on the show. I got Kyle Mann live in L.A. in person. It's going to be a lot of fun. We're going to run through all the biggest storylines of the day. We're going to let you know what to look forward to as we move into day two. We're going to talk about some of the one seeds that could be susceptible. All things happening in the March. All things happening in the tournament. A lot going on. Uh, Kyle, producer Kyle. Now we got two Kyles in person. Kyle. Are are you fired up? Do you have someone that that you saw today that you're in love with? Do we have a Kyle's man? Because Dane Danger's out of the tournament, unfortunately.
2: Uh, yeah, we hardly knew you, Dane, but uh, we, <laughs> we we I was really hoping to get to know you and, and uh, buddy up to you. But it's uh it's it's Jordan Walsh now. He okay. uh, just like the looks of the guy. Yeah, uh, and uh, I'm just going with my heart this whole tournament. Also, Tiger Campbell, great name, awesome head of hair. And, uh, yeah, Sergio Barry Rice.
1: I got my eye on you, buddy.
0: Okay, Sergio Barry Rice. He finally got into Kyle's purview. We're good on that. Um, look, we got a lot of basketball to talk about. It's myself. It's Kyle Mann. It's March Madness. We're going to get to all of it. But first, Woody Durham.
2: He takes the timeout.
0: All right. It is late night, Thursday night. The first day of March Madness is just coming to a close. I am Tate Frazier and I'm sitting in a studio in Los Angeles across from Kyle Mann. First time in person in real life. And uh, today we got to watch March Madness together. Kyle, first and foremost, uh, excited to see you in real life. And uh, how are we feeling? Are are we holding up? Was there? There was a lot of carnage today um, that we got to talk about. But are, how are you doing in LA right now?
2: You know, there's always the time adjustment stuff like that. Like you said, it was good to lay. It's always good to just lay eyes on people. And I, you know, <laughs> I got I got a good feeling that our roster, our average height on on the roster on the OSP here is. I'd say about six, one and a half, six, two, we're kind of, you know, we don't have like a raising the bar, you know, cell service thing going on where we, I I just, I like the height. I do. I do. It was nice to see. I came right out of the gate. I had to present Tate with a gift. That's true. Um, Yeah. You know, some months ago I was, I was in San Francisco doing some shopping and I found this really dope vintage Biggie sweatshirt and I was like, some, this won't fit me. Uh, but I got to find somebody and I i just I don't know. I had a feeling I just feel I had a feeling that you were the right person to give that sweatshirt to. Teg. Yeah,
0: I'm an old Big East guy. I'm a sucker for the old Big East. So when I saw that sweatshirt, I said, Kyle, man, is a good man. Um, first and foremost, I saw that I'm immediately, so but honored. also a bag man because uh, you made this purchase. You won me over. I'm very easy <laughs> to win over. You know, if you give me a gift, uh, I i pretty much say that I love you for life. So um, that was all good things. And, you know, immediately, I want to say before we get into the basketball of today, I want to get ahead of this. I'm going to tap my chest uh, to the fans at home, to the friends of the program. I know there's a lot of people out there that listen uh, to One Shining Podcast and listen to college basketball podcasts, and they say, I want expert advice. I want to know what's going to happen in this tournament. I need to get the word from someone who knows. And uh, again, I want to tap my chest because I let you down. I let you down, (laughs) America. Um, I stuck my neck out. I told you I'm willing to be the fall guy. Uh, I'm not sure that I was was ready to deliver on that uh, so soon in this (laughs) tournament. I am falling. I am in free fall. Um, I don't know what to do. My head is spinning a little bit. My Arizona Wildcats let me down. We're going to talk about that. We're going to get into all that. But uh, can we start with the good news? Because March Madness started. The tournament began this morning, and I woke up. I was fired up, made myself a cup of coffee. I'm sitting on my couch, and I'm saying, this is better than Christmas. This, this is the best time of the year. So much good basketball ahead. I can't wait to watch it all. Um, and as soon as we tipped off, I got my guy, Huggy Bear, you know, who just got in the Hall of Fame uh, in 2022 in Springfield. They get all the stats of Huggy Bear. They talk about all of his tournament appearances. They talk about all of his wins. They let you know that eight out of his last 13 tournaments, he made the Sweet 16. Yeah, It was uh, the, the center stage and the central character, the main character of the NCAA tournament to start was Huggy Bear which was a, a sight for sore eyes. Did you enjoy that as much as I did? Always, always enjoy Huggy Bear.
2: <laughs> I was always really, I was curious to see what kind of like West Virginia tarp he was going to wear to the game <laughs> or poncho. I don't know. I almost yeah. feel like he he's always
0: just, ready for rain. You he know should what I mean? almost, Yeah,
2: he should almost just go for the whole like West gunfighter thing and just go ahead and have some pistols on the side yeah. and lean into it. You know, it's kind of like you were talking about you're in a free fall right now. Sometimes, you know, there's (laughs) that part in Dune where they're in the sandstorm and he's like, just surrender to the winds, you know, you know, just go ahead and surrender to it and and don't fight it. You know, I I feel like fighting it is a way to repeat your mistakes. Mm. And I think this is a way for you to just move forward. Short goldfish memory, you know, move forward Tate it's all right we live to play another day unless you're some of the teams uh <laughs> unless you lost today and that's the beautiful thing about March Madness is every game's a game seven you know you do or you die like I said we're we're bottling that cocaine hit like I said again I'm not endorsing drug use <laughs> but <laughs> I'm just saying uh, that's what makes it so great is you see you see some teams you see some teams clam up when uh when the pressure's on you you were talking you and i were talking about like when virginia lost that game to uh you know they lost to the 16 seed you know that year umbc yeah yep. they they uh i, I wasn't going to say the acronym because i knew i'd screwed up <laughs> i was happy i was happy you jumped in and did that uh but you know you learn how to weather the storm uh and that's something that you could kind of see some teams ready to uh, equip to deal with that and some some not. And I think coaching is, is a factor of that, too, that I think that we could get into a little bit. How much of that? How do you how do you not freak out when the storm hits? And, yeah, uh, we're going to yeah. talk
0: about because a major storm. So the, the first game starts and the first storm comes to the Maryland Terrapins, right? Kevin Willard, this is his first year with Maryland. They go undefeated in conference play in the Big Ten. Maryland's had a, a year where, you know, there's optimism, there's hope. But for five minutes, 15 real-life minutes, five minutes of gameplay, Maryland looked like the worst basketball team I've ever seen. (laughs) Yeah, They they were mucking it up. That is the term we like to to use on this show. This was a muck fest to start the tournament. It was exactly what West Virginia wanted. West Virginia gets up. They ended up getting up by like 14, 15 in this game. Yeah, And Maryland just looked desolate. They looked like they had nowhere to go. And uh, it was amazing. Kevin Willard does a, a little interview, and they ask him, and they're like, How's it looking out there, coach? And he's like, it should be a lot worse. Um, And I thought that that humility and that honesty um, was great to see. But it it goes back to what you were just saying. The message and the mantra of the NCAA tournament is let's weather the storm. The storm hits Maryland early. They weather the storm. Uh, Juju Reese becomes a star as this game evolves. And all of a sudden, you know, Maryland leaves this game with a nice victory. Uh, they moved forward. It looked like it was all West Virginia. Like I said, all, all the conversation from Jim Nance, shout out to Jim Nance, last tournament, he comes out hot. He last tell, dance with Nance. Last dance with Nance, and he comes out and he tells a Hot Rod Hunley story. <laughs> um, and a lot of people back home, you probably are like, who is Hot Rod Hunley? Well, he played way back in the day uh, for West Virginia. He was like a Pistol Pete before Pistol Pete. He was a guy that um, with throw between the leg passes, He would just do like just trick shots. Basically, he was he was way before his time. And when he went to the NBA, he said he partied more than he played basketball. (laughs) He was like one of those guys. And the fact that Jim Nance got a hot rod story out and then told this amazing story of back in the tournament, hot rod came to one of the games, I guess. And at halftime, they rolled hot rod out and he threw up a 15 foot hook shot. It goes in. And Bob Huggins said to his team if this guy, if this old man can come out here and make a hook shot, you guys should start making shots. And they came back in the tournament and won. And I tell that story because it was the most Jim Nance moment I've ever heard of, you know, and it was in the first game of the March of March madness. It's his last March madness. It was this great, you know, singular story about this iconic player. And it's something that Jim Nance, one of the few people that has that in his bag and he has it ready. And it felt like that, The way West Virginia came out and played, they gave him that runway to tell that story. Um, So it was like the perfect way to kick off March. And then, like I said, Maryland... Weathers the storm. I think they're the better team um, Mm -hmm. as they showed in this game and they move forward. They get a win and congrats to Kevin Willard, but we got started off on a high note and that was thanks to uh, the high rod story and to Bob Huggins. So I wanted to shout them both out.
2: Yeah. It's nice to see Nance in his bag talking about, (laughs) I don't know. I don't know if there are different interpretations of Bagman, but you know, Nance (laughs) Nance definitely has been meditating and preparing himself for this moment. I, I like that game, the West Virginia, Maryland game was a pretty stark contrast between like the pace. I, I don't know. It, we knew that game was going to be physical. Those are two teams that like to like to bump and bruise and, and play tough. Uh, but that game was going on at the same time as the Virginia Furman game, and it was just interesting to watch the pace of the Virginia Furman game and flip over. You know, you know the multi-screen situation is essential, is essential this time yes. of year. You got to figure it out. You know, I, I feel like even like the browser thing – Sometimes the browser won't get small enough, so I can't get, my, and in the past I, I've done like the the four browser windows, hook it up to the HDMI. I, I'm, what, what I'm trying to do here Tate, to set you up for, uh, you seem, we we had a user
0: interface breakthrough tonight. We had <laughs> yes. a huge moment where we were like, right. okay, we, we cracked the code here. On I'm spitting and this isn't an ad. This is not an ad. So if, if YouTube TV is listening, This is not an ad, but we would like you to be an advertiser. I don't know. Maybe we'll run that up with Spotify, Kyle. I don't know. I can't say that type of stuff Can we not say that? I don't think I can say that anymore. I'm not an independent podcaster. Um, But YouTube TV, the the quad box, the multi-view that they have that is built in. I guess you have to have an updated YouTube TV app. But if you have this, they do all the hard work for you. And if you have the YouTube TV app, as many people do, you can look at stats live on the YouTube TV app. So they have the key plays. They have the condensed games. They have everything you need, and they set it up perfectly for us. We went to Yard House down at uh, LA Live, which um, I didn't you, know if you wanted to tip the tip the locale if, if you wanted to if you look, wanted to keep it like
2: we were watching in a bunker or we we're.
0: In if Mo- you want to come yell at me and play and, and make me the fall guy for your bracket problems, I am at the Yard House in LA. <laughs> I will face you face to face. I will have a conversation. I will apologize. I'm a, I'm just as upset as you are. But we're down at Yard House. We're watching the games there. It's the classic bar experience. But you're just missing a little bit of something, you know, that 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 cachet, that connection to what is going on actually on the television and YouTube TV. They cornered the market. They know what we're looking for. Whoever runs YouTube TV went to a blue blood. I know that. I don't know which I don't know which blue blood. I don't know which one. I'm going to say Carolina just because like that's what I want to do. But I remember when YouTube TV came out, the promo was with Nolan Smith. So it's probably a Duke guy. Mm. So to that Duke guy, congratulations. You did a good job. I love the quad box. And you mentioned Furb in West Virginia, and you mentioned weathering weathering the storm. Well, Virginia, the storm was right in their face, and they did not weather it very well. And yet again, here we are. We're talking about the Virginia Cavaliers getting upset in the first round. And this time, it's against a 13 seed. And last time in 2021, guess what? It was against a 13 seed. That, That was the Ohio Bobcats at that time. Jason Preston on that team. Oh, yeah, he's a pro. Ben yeah. Vanderplas, who's now on the Virginia Cavaliers, was on that team. People forget that. He did not play in this game. But what did you see in the Virginia game and, and specifically about Virginia? There's a lot of conversation now about the style of Virginia. Yeah. The, mar- the margins are so small and and now people are questioning Tony Bennett and we're I feel like it's deja vu is it 2018 again that's what it feels like deja vu all over again right yeah, <laughs> yeah.
2: i d- i just think this was this was one that people had kind of zeroed in on i think um and i have to you know uh, i this might be uh, should we go ahead and introduce the segment the 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 segment of the uh Good, good logic, bad pick. Is right what, logic, wrong pick. Right, right. Like, yeah, I, I screwed the branding up. On no, that. that's, Sorry, it's that life. is
0: my life. And again, to all the people out there that want to come at me, <laughs> just remember it was right logic, wrong pick.
2: Yeah. Um, so this was my edition of right logic, wrong pick. Um, <laughs> and I, I'm kind of ashamed to be honest with you, Tate, because. For the enti- for the entire college basketball season, I've gone on and on with and like, oh, I like Jalen Slosson. This is my guy. Like, it's always you know, it's, a draft. Yeah. it's, a, it's the draft. It's it's the draft. That's move. what the
0: NBA draft guys do. You, you got to find guys. You got to buy into them. I feel like Max Lewis of Pepperdine is the one that that a lot of people are like, that's my guy. Yeah, but I like Slosson for you. You're you're the first guy, by the way, that I heard talk about Slauson. I want to give you your credit. So. I'm tr-
2: I am touched by that. Yeah. I, I just, but he's been around for a while, you know, like he's a, he's a guy that's been at Furman for a little bit. I think he's 23 years old. But, I, you know, there is a kind of an overlap between, I'm somebody that, you know, I used to play like indie rock. So I, I've, uh, I've said this before, but I've encountered both the indie rock community and the NBA draft t- community. Uh, <laughs> and they're very similar because yes. I know whenever like somebody starts to get on like a Maxwell Lewis, you'll sense people be like, well, that's not, that's not obscure enough. I've got to go find somebody. <laughs> Oh, guess what? <laughs> right. Yeah, this guy plays at Indian Hills Community College. Yeah, he quit, took a couple years off. Anyway, but no, Slawson is a guy had a big game, and this was this was a uh, and, I, and I, you know, circling back to the point I was making is that like I talked about this guy all year, and when it came time to figure out the bracket, I do that thing where you know it's the head versus heart thing where we we came in and I was like. My heart wants to pick Furman. I know Roger Sherman, our hilarious, brilliant writer at the ringer, he picked Furman and was rooting for it to happen. Good job, Roger. I didn't pull the trigger. I'm a coward. I knew <laughs> I knew that Furman could win this game. I'd watch them play mm-hmm. more games than a, than the average kind of mid-major team, and I still didn't pull the trigger. And they they pull this off, and Slosson at times, he did everything today. I mean, he did all kinds of stuff. We saw the passing. We saw him, like, taking people off the dribble. He can be a little chaotic off the dribble. We saw a little bit of that, kind of like Coleman Hawkins that we'll talk about later, who is way more of a shit show. But um, he, I mean, he hit threes. He was in the pick and roll. Uh, they made big shots. And, you know, uh, th- I feel like and this was with Bothwell not having a, a great game at all. I think he fouled out in like 20 minutes, barely produced anything for them. So Furman might have won this game by more. But there was a play in this game that I feel like is going to stick in the memory of Virginia fans. It, w- it was a major dough moment that pass. That I, I assume that he was trying to pass the ball, like throw it into the backcourt, basically. Waste just, time, yeah. yeah, to just get it away from the get it away from the defense. But it just was a pretty flaccid pass and was immediately caught. And, you know, Furman catches the ball, throws it to Peaks. He he shoots a three when it's in, it's one of those magical moments. It's in the air and you're, you're just, your heart stops and you just feel a chill come over you when it's in the air. Didn't even like, it was one of those ones that went straight in, didn't even swish. It was like a skinny person jumping in a pool. Like basically it was like, yeah. it was just like a beautiful three. I mean, and that I we kicked off the tournament with, an incredible moment there. Uh, I mean, that, that yeah, was... Yeah, Maryland,
0: West Virginia would not have been my pick to start the tournament, but the madness began immediately as that game was winding down, so it was okay. It didn't even matter at that point. And Maryland, like I said, they came to life and made it more of a game. But as soon as you started to see, like UVA had, you know, a 10-point lead. You know, you're watching the score as, as I was watching the, the Maryland game. And then I was watching it kind of dwindle down. They were up five at halftime. It just felt like Furbin was hanging around, making it a game, keeping it a game. And as we know, that's Virginia. Their whole goal of of the way they play is to limit possessions. And they're going to maximize the execution of their possessions. And therefore, they're going to end up winning the basketball game nine times out of ten. That is the Tony Bennett model. That's what Tony Bennett believes in. And that's what Tony Bennett does. And that's what Virginia does. But when you play this way and you limit the possessions, the margins are so thin that when you are the one actually making the mistakes and having the turnovers and having the Kihei Clark throw it in the backcourt and see what happens, and then you have a turnover, those margins come back to bite you in the end. And, you know, in, in the strangest twist of college basketball common sense, Kihei Clark made one of the greatest passes in college basketball history as a freshman, a true freshman, and then as a super senior makes one of the worst passes in, in college basketball history, right? How yeah. insane is that and how opposite is that of, of what you would expect to happen in college basketball? And that's no knock on Kihei because, like we're saying, I mean, there was some sense behind it. But then after I saw in the postgame, uh, Slosson was walking into his locker room and they had cameras on him, as they always do, and he was like, I can't believe he threw that pass. <laughs> like, I, I genuinely yeah. cannot believe he threw that pass. And I think everybody at home was thinking, I can't believe he threw that pass. But that is why, that was like March Madness in in a microcosm right there. It was like, there's a lot of things that make sense, but this isn't one of them. This tournament, basketball at this time of the year, it makes no sense. And that's why a guy who has made an amazing play at the highest level in this same tournament and won it, can do something like that. And that's that was when the madness kicked off. Yeah, you
2: never know what the what the one little fracture in the thing is going to be that's going to bring it all come tumbling down. And you were talking about the push and pull of like styles in this game. Um, you know, it, it was interesting to watch them kind of go back and forth. Furman was trying to pull Virginia into a faster game. And it, speaking to the style, so like UVA shoots early clock 28.2% of the time, which is second percentile. Uh, and, yeah, Furman doesn't want to play like that. They shoot early clock 41% of the time, so UVA is just like, they're trying to just get you to guard later in the clock and make mistakes, and Furman just kept kind of playing faster and faster.
0: Uh, And Virginia played their pace. I think that was the thing that kind of shocked me as I started watching the game late, I was I was shocked that Virginia was out of out of sorts a little bit, you know, Mm -hmm. especially with a veteran team like this. But that's why a guy like Ben VanderPlas, who's not playing in the game as much as, you know, the the advanced analytics and the on on off stuff. And everyone wants to talk about Shedrick, who in this game was great. He had 15 points, 13 rebounds, four blocks, Mm -hmm. had a great game but there's like these intangible things mm-hmm. that i think having someone like vanderplas on the court actually would make a difference and that's why i felt for uva as i was watching this game it felt like they needed someone to to help kind of shore things up and say guys we're at, we're playing really tight right now yeah. let's let's weather this storm and let's hold it together and obviously they did not
2: yeah, the, the the quickly just on the analytics. Yeah, I, I like I, the, the on-off stuff can be a little misleading for me, in my opinion, just because like you never people will be like, well, this sample is to this size is legitimate. And it's like, well, you don't really. We can't. We we you'd have to get in the weeds and be like, they played these teams. This means that. I don't know. I just I don't I don't always like I don't always get into. It's that, not always that line, as, as cut and dry as as it's made out to be. But yeah, that was that was a hell of a game and a hell of a way to start. And I think some of these upsets, man, one of the kind of common denominators is do you have the best player on the floor? And I kind of think you can say safely say Furman did today and they pulled
0: it off. Yeah, Virginia's best player is Reese Beekman and Reese Beekman was not the best player on the court today. Yeah, exactly. And you heard it throughout, you know, the game as they kept bringing up Slauson. And, you know, I will say this about the media reaction to Virginia I know that, you know, everyone, myself included, has pointed out their their tournament trips. You know, 2018, you lose to a 16 seed. 2019, you have this miraculous run that we went in detail with Ty Jerome. Amazing. 2020, no tournament. 2021, you play a 13 seed Ohio, but... They have two NBA-caliber players on their team, so it's kind of a caveat. Now you play another 13 seed. You have another NBA-caliber player. A little little bit of a caveat, Jairus Lyles of UMBC. He's an NBA-caliber player. So when you get into the actual nuance of who they played and how it worked out, it makes sense. And Virginia was a great three-point shooting team until about February, and they just fell off a cliff as a team for whatever reason and Mm -hmm. and people can point to the injuries and things like that but that's just the reality of the situation i don't think it's it's a larger issue with the way tony bennett plays coaches basketball the way his team plays basketball it's just that you know the margins are thinner so when the margins are thinner there's more room for upsets it's just the reality of the situation and i saw pat 40 um who's one of these classic big j's he wrote a column basically (laughs) calling out Kihei Clark and saying, you know, that Tony Bennett, it would be the worst, quote, the worst tourney program ever Virginia would be. Um, And this is the same man who wrote this same thing in 2018 when they lost to UMBC and Virginia came back the next year, won the national championship. So if I am a Virginia fan, I am retweeting that article. I I am, I am sending that. That is great bulletin board material. Tony Bennett will use that i am not I am not going to write u v a off as a program i think that 's ridiculous i think it 's actually ludicrous, but I do feel for them today that 's tough yeah i i, I just think that uh Furman
2: did what they wanted to do. they accomplished what they wanted to do and yeah. before we move on but yeah, they were ten for twenty eight from the three point line and Virginia was two for twelve i mean they just they kept trying to like pound their physical advantage i think and uh just didn't work out for them,
0: yeah. And they did not win the race of 69, by the way. So, for the people at home, Furman won 68 67. I thought that Virginia had a chance to win the race of 69. Um, they'll live to fight another day, but let's talk about another game. Um, that was fascinating. In fact, let's talk about in general the one seeds today because I think big storyline, big, big storyline. Story because the one seeds, I'm not saying that the one seeds were in games where they could have lost today. There were times where the games were close. Um, obviously, we saw Howard get Kansas a little shook in the first half. Um, Alabama blew out, you know, Texas A&M, but then, uh, you know, we, we got some conversations about, um, you know, w- what's going on with Brandon Miller. We'll talk about that. And then you got Houston, who let the Norse, uh, Northern Kentucky, give them a run for their money. The three one seeds, which one stuck stuck out to you, Kyle, as, uh, oh, man, I'm I'm a little bit worried about them after watching this game. And why is it Houston? Because Houston, we just watched, they, they're giving me problems. They're giving me trouble. And Kelvin Sampson did not inspire much hope in his postgame. Yeah. He, he always kind of has that sobered
2: look on his face. Like he just, he just like splashed cold water on his face and he was just staring in the mirror. Yeah. You know, he just the Joaquin
0: has, Phoenix effect. He yeah. just
2: kind of has that thing like, man, I've been thinking about some shit for a few hours kind of <laughs> look on his face in his post-game interview. And right. you know, we came in knowing that Sasser had the, had the groin issue, which is a difficult thing in a sport where you have to shuffle and slide. And like, you know, it, it, it's really hard to do. There's not a, not a lot of ways to avoid that muscle in this game, especially for somebody who, like, depends on, like, dribble separation. He's, like, really good at, like, getting to his shot. Um And, yeah, it w- he dropped a little kind of nugget there about, like, uh about Jamal Shedd in his post game interview. Said it was a knee injury. Said it was a knee injury. So then you think about the two guys that are kind of powering you, and it's no discredit to you know, Northern Kentucky. You know, Darren Horn is a great coach. Um, he had them, he looked just uh he 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 just looks like a wild man. <laughs> I mean, you you're talking about like really, really getting into it. Um, passion, passionate guy. Uh but they they gave them a game and it it does kind of make you think about, you know, what is this gonna mean? Is this is this kind of a like a a, a sort of a a vulnerability? Does this going forward, does this mean that they're gonna have, have Some issues, my bracket is already screwed up. I don't know why that I, (laughs) to to say it, to put it mildly, I mean, I had Iowa beating Auburn and I actually thought that, I don't know why, why do you pick anything? I just, I I try to make like wild swings sometimes and just think like, well, you know, this maybe could happen. Um, I thought that maybe Iowa could give them a game if they like made them guard them, and if like Houston would be neutralized offensively a little bit. That's not going to happen because Auburn kind of kicked the crap and demoralized Iowa at different points. I don't feel like the score is even indicative of, of how that game went. But now we get Auburn, Houston. Auburn has some quickness and some athleticism on the on the perimeter with with Wendell Green and Cambridge and and you know and J- Janai Broom inside. I just I, I'm kind of wondering. Uh, how that game, in Jalen Williams. I, I'm just kind of wondering how that game is going to go. Um, I don't know. Do you have any kind of increased or decreased decreased confidence in Houston right now?
0: Yeah, Houston in this game, I mean, they threw me for a loop a little bit. Sasser plays 13 minutes. You know, he has five points. You know, he already had the injury coming in. There was already questions in my mind about what kind of Houston team are we going to get? I mean, Sasser is the first first team All-American since 1980, 1984 with Elijah Wan. So, right. So like he's that kind of player for Houston. That's the importance of him on this team. And you and I were talking as we were watching him against Northern Kentucky. And it's obvious. I mean, the best player on the court for Houston right now is Walker, Jairus Walker. And when I look at Auburn in that matchup in the second round, I'm saying Auburn might have maybe one or two guys that match up with him pretty well as far as the intangibles. Um, and the tangibles. I mean, the, the guy has a lot of talent, obviously, but so does Auburn. Auburn has a lot of talent. Um, and they're going to have to depend on Emmanuel Sharp, who in this game came in, played 22 minutes, had 10 points, had, you know, one assist, three for four from the field. But the fact that Kelvin Sampson can't rely on Jamal Shed, Jamal Shedd plays 36 minutes in this game, six of 15, 13 points. He did not have his best night. And then we learned after the fact that it was a knee injury that was kind of nagging him. So now your backcourt, which is supposed to be the strong suit of this team, by the way, mm-hmm. that's that's their calling card. They have this great backcourt who, at the end of the day, their defense is going to carry them, and these guys are going to close games for them and ball pressure too. I think yes. that's something that the, these things
2: always mirror them each other. Like it, that, that's a huge like kind of chip in their favor too. Is that uh, and that's that's a thing in the tournament that can really damn you if you can't, if you struggle to guard the ball. It's just that the clock's ticking. Like teams that win titles typically can at least bother you at the point of attack, and you kind of wonder about that, especially defensively for for Sasser. You know the
0: groin. Katie Johnson <laughs> is going to go at Sasser, and he's going to yeah. see how how he reacts to it. He's going to see him, you know, twitch. He's going to see how quick he can get off, and and that those things are going to be tested early. And I'm sure Bruce Pearl will tell them to go at those guys to see if they can hang out on the court. And that is that's what's scary to me about Houston. And I think that's why Samson, after the game. Seemed a little deflated because, you know, you're playing in Birmingham. You're obviously going to have an Auburn crowd. I mean, I guess Alabama's also there. So maybe there's Alabama fans that are pulling for Houston that yeah. are in the crowd. That that's probably one thing that's going for you. But the way that it sets up, and we've seen this one eight, one nine matchup be a problem. We saw it last year with North Carolina and Baylor. Um so I don't know. All those, the writing on the wall says I should be concerned about Houston in the second round based on what I saw in this game where they couldn't put Northern Kentucky away. They, you know, had some issues just kind of figuring out who was orchestrating things for them, which goes back to the guard play. And I'm not sure if Sasser is ever going to be 100 percent in this tournament. And it's the same question as last year. Like Sasser last year, it kept being like, well, wait till Marcus Sasser comes back and then Houston wait till the final four when they get Sasser back. Yeah. Well, they didn't get to the final four. You got to get there to get him back to the level you want him to be at. And you might need him to get there in the first place. So that's what concerns me about Houston. And I uh, I don't know. I'm not going to sleep well tonight. You know, as I think (laughs) about the Houston Cougars, I, I think that. Jim Nance is someone I care about staring at the ceiling. Well, this is Jim Nance is someone I care about. And I want Jim Nance to have his Houston and Houston moment. And I felt like tonight gave me it was the same way that the script went off script in the uh, in the championship game against Memphis. You know, that was supposed to be Jim Nance calling Houston's title. And this is the precursor to their real title run. And Penny said, not today. That's not what we're going to do. So I just felt like we're already off script. And I'm scared that we're going to get really, really off script with this Houston team.
2: Yeah, uh, but among the, like among the other, do you want to just go ahead and move yeah. on to the other one seeds yeah, as we talk about the vulnerability? Right. Um, the other thing here, I mean, Alabama rolled uh, in their game today. Uh, Alabama kicked the crap out of a and M Corpus Christi. It didn't really look close. Um, they, have the, they have the ability to do that. It's kind of like they they don't have like a heliocentric type of offense where it's just like man, they depend. It's not they're not they have more kind of fluidity and like dynamic like flow to their offense that doesn't depend on one person. Whereas like Houston does a little bit more come from, I just, the, I, well, I'm well, i kind of just uh, bearing the lead here, I guess, or just not acknowledging what I'm talking about. <laughs> like uh, Brandon Miller, it was revealed and I, uh, it was kind of reported. I, I have it pulled up here. Tuscaloosa news was talking about that. He has a groin injury that he, has been nursing since Sunday. This is Nate Oates talking. Since Sunday in the SEC tournament, we were hoping to play him limited minutes. We were able to keep him under 20. Hopefully he can get a lot of rehab today and tomorrow and look a lot more like himself. So groin again. Um, you know, I don't really, I don't have a sports science degree of any kind. I don't know how quickly you can turn around and rehab a groin injury. But Miller, he was just kind of quiet. I was kind of re-watching some of the clips to see. Played 18 minutes. He was 0 for 5 from the field, 0 for 3 from 3, 5 rebounds, 3 assists, uh, and 1 block. What do you think it means for them? I mean, what do you you think it means for... Is he, like, icing on the cake for them, or is he the cake? Like, can they survive a dip in Brandon Miller production? Because we know they have guards. The guards are there and functioning. Um, Miller just seems like that extra thing, like that big shot maker, the thing, like, when the game, maybe you've schemed the other... I don't know, I always talk about, like, when teams scheme each other to gridlock, the shot makers are the things that kind of separate. Exactly. It's like Miller's the thing on the big stage. He's your he's your, your trump card. Mm-hmm. Um, whether you get into kind of a dry spell, can they
0: survive it without Miller? Is kind of what I'm wondering. And I, I mean... I think the guy that they look to as the replacement in those moments is probably Quinterly. Javon Quinterly, who's a former five-star, was at Villanova. You know, Obviously, he's played great in the SEC tournament in the past. I think he was the SEC tournament MVP when they won in 2021. But Je-
2: Jelly Fam also, we should say.
0: Yeah, right. He's one of those guys that maybe they turn to him and say, okay, we can give the ball to Quinterly. I like Sears a lot. Sears transferred from Ohio. So we keep going back to Ohio. But, I, I mean, Clowney and Miller, to me, are the two guys that have my attention as far as the the talent and the ceiling of this team. And, you know, in this game, Clowney, he only plays nine minutes, but he has 10 points, very efficient, 10 points, four rebounds. I mean, he had foul trouble. That's why he only played that amount of time and the game was already out of hand. But Pringle comes in off the bench, replacing him. He plays 20 minutes. He has 19 points. He goes 8-for-10 from the field, and he has 15 rebounds. So they have a guy who comes off the bench and gives you that kind of production. They have Betty Yako, their big, who can dominate a game himself, especially with his rim protection. So the front court of Alabama, I feel like, is shored up. I feel like it's exactly what you would want to make a run. I trust their backcourt. I really do. I think Sears is one of the best guards in the tournament. But the real difference, the real thing that takes them to that, you know, level where you're wondering can anybody beat Alabama is Brandon Miller yeah and it's kind of the same thing with Houston where it's like I like the infrastructure here you got all the pieces but where's the star and if the star is not out there that changes that dims the light of course that's mm-hmm. how it works and that's what it's ha- that's what's happening with Alabama that's what's happening with Brandon Miller and you can talk yourself Kyle's choking up over there thinking about Brandon <laughs> Miller not playing um you know we're we're at a point where we have to have these conversations because these one seeds aren't the one seeds we watched all season. Like this, if Brandon Miller is going to have an injury and not be able to play, you know, that dynamically drastically changes who Alabama is. I mean, that's just, those are the facts They're They're talented enough to still make a run, but that still is the, we're talking about a different team. Same with Houston, which is fascinating because these are the one seeds and these are the favorites to win the title.
2: Yeah, I guess I guess to flip it back the other way, I guess I'm just looking at this. Kyle, are you okay? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. (laughs) I will say we had a great night. I think one thing that I realized today that I enjoyed (laughs) was that Kyle and I both have like the right amount of rural in us. Like I'm going to say like, yeah, we had a moment where we were Mm -hmm. talking and we were like, hey, I was like, hey, man, growing up. My dad, my family, we got a lot of, we got a lot of free Marlboro products, a lot of just nice. Marlboro swag. Kyle was like, me too, man. We were like, oh, sweet. <laughs> <I> was- <laughs> As you can talking tell, about as you can tell by the coughing, <laughs> lots of Marlboro products.
0: Kyle coughing over me talking about Marlboro is great. <laughs>
2: and then, uh, and yeah, and then we were like, "Yeah, my parents listened to Garth Brooks. Mine too." And we had a moment where uh, that song "Hard to Handle," which is an Otis Redding cover, but uh, that song came on the cover version. I forget who played it. Came on over the mm-hmm. you know the Touch Tunes, Yard whatever. House. Yeah, yeah. And we were sitting there, and I just was thinking to myself, Kyle was to my right, and I was thinking. I was like, this seems like a, wor- a song that Kyle would like know all the words to. So out of like the corner, of my eye, I just kind of turned over and looked, and Kyle was mouthing the words, that, like on on cue. <laughs> he was mouthing the words to yeah. "Hard to Handle," and I was like, okay, I'm getting a better feel for for Kyle. Uh, I was I was happy to have that happen. But uh, if you're talking about like the ones he's being vulnerable, which we are, uh, <laughs> this might be the year for that to happen because there aren't any like you know we always <laughs> there's no big gorillas out there. There's no big like hulking. You know, uh, there's no there's no powerhouse team that's like
0: this is the team that there's no Godzilla. Pit. Yeah, exactly. Yeah,
2: yeah whatever, whatever. You and know, I thought
0: Alabama monster. You want to use? I, I yeah. thought Alabama was the Loch Ness monster. I thought whatever monster you want, Bigfoot, whatever it is, that yeah. is what I thought Alabama was for this tournament. And today, the Brandon Miller news changed that conversation or that changed that train of thought. That that's what I'm trying to say. That that's how much of an impact it was, and it felt like they tried to put it as a footnote. Yeah. You know, it felt like it, it was, was
2: a Friday news dump. Right, Yeah.
0: right. And we, and we know how Alabama does with those things. That's what, I mean. Oh, man. <laughs> yeah. You know, I mean, that's, that's what we're dealing with, though. So this, in general, uh, is a conversation point. And then what's even crazier about these one seeds is we talked about Houston and Alabama and their susceptible, you know, tendencies at this point. And then we go to Kansas. And I, you want to talk about footnotes. The head coach of the Kansas Jayhawks, Bill Self, did not coach in this game. Norm Roberts, former coach of St. John's, is stepping in, the assistant coach. And the reigning national champions, a team that should have probably been the number two, number one seed over Houston, based on the, the, if you want to look at their quad record and all that sort of stuff. Regardless, the committee said they're the third one seed. Didn't really give a great explanation, but that's where they put them. But if you read between the lines... It looks like they did that because they weren't sure if Bill Self was actually going to coach this team. And in the first game against Howard, he doesn't coach this team. Howard makes it a game. Shout out to Kenny Blake. And he did a great job oh, for yeah. the Bison first time they were in the tournament since 1992. But Kansas, without their head coach, without Bill Self, without, you know, the coach that is you know, revered by everyone in college basketball. They're not as scary, and they're they're not the same team that we expect them to be in the tournament. Which is another fascinating. How does every one seed have a storyline to look at, other than Purdue? Purdue's the one that looks the safest right now.
2: Yeah, there are there are years where you steal titles. I always say like Kentucky stole a title in nineteen ninety eight. Mm-hmm. I always say like Duke. Uh, I think personally, bias uh, stole a title from us in twenty fifteen. They stole one in twenty. 2010 yeah come at me duke uh 20, just, 2010 no. is the one no
0: i mean yeah you, even connecticut in 2014 connecticut's
2: stolen too yeah mm-hmm. I, I just think there are years where you're like you're the favorite or and then there are years where like shit happens and and i feel like this is one of those years where somebody's gonna snag one where they weren't weren't the favorite potentially i think that's interesting not not to, not to downplay purdue i just I, it, it just feels like this chaos, this carnage could lead to that kind of an outcome in Kansas. You know, they won their game despite, you know, Kamala Harris, uh, you know, just a really, really tough opponent. You know, you got Kamala Harris on your side. That's a tough thing to overcome, I yeah. think. You know, uh, it's
0: good when you got the U.S. government behind
2: you. Yeah, I tough mean, day. I'm not unless I, I you're the FBI
0: investigating colleges for fraud. <laughs> I mean, I guess that's the only time it didn't work out. Uh, tough day,
2: you know. Tough day for me. I can't relate to having the government on your side. Joe Biden picked against Kentucky. Um, I just, I don't want to overreact, but I did kind of start scrolling on my phone for like MAGA t-shirts and things like that. <laughs> I don't, I don't, don't want to, but I don't want to overreact. Yeah. But uh, I mean, I will
0: say, Joe Biden. Joe Biden picked yeah. Arizona, by the way. A lot of people are pointing the finger at me, and tough I just, day. and I have to keep, I have to finger point to Joe Biden. You know, or Jay Billis, whoever. Whoever wants to take the bla- I like I said I'll be the fall guy but both let's JBs. fall together. Yeah, both let's JBs fall hurting you there. Yeah, it was a
2: tough day for the Democratic party. <laughs> sure Bieber party. picked
0: Arizona as well, you know, all the <laughs> all the JPs. But it
2: sets up a really one of the more Well, I think one of the we a pattern that we kind of had today was games you know we did get uh, it wasn't all out chaos like we did have some chaos but I feel like we had a few games that I know you and I were kind of excited about that just kind of threatened to be entertaining you know like and they had just kind of hovered in that 10 point deficit we'd be like oh boy here we go made a little run cut it to five and then it go back out to 10 12 one of those games though was Arkansas Illinois which is going to be super interesting to tease that for like you know Kansas uh, that maybe not on the personnel front vulnerable but Arkansas absolutely absolutely you saw them on on boots on the ground, eyes on the eyes in person, laid eyes on them in the flesh out in Maui, and you saw how talented they were. We both agreed that if they had Trayvon Brazil, that they would be absolutely in the running. But this is a team that has NBA talent, and you kind of start to wonder, like, you know, Arkansas has a few guys. We talk we talk about Anthony Black, we talk about Nick Smith, Ricky Council, like we, uh, Kamani Johnson, who used to try to sell me Dakari shoes in the sneaker group. Um, I'm not going to say he's like an NBA talent, but they have. They have a puncher's chance, I think. When we talked about the the perimeter talent in the West region, uh how impressive it is. I think Arkansas could give them a game, man. I, I really think that yeah. this could be I don't know, it's gonna be interesting to see what what kind of a rage Musk gets into. Uh he was he was pretty fired up today. But that game Uh, It's a classic, classic uh, eight versus a one seed game.
0: Arkansas is maybe the most talented eight seed when you talk about top to bottom. And if you look at the top 100 ESPN, top 100 recruits, which we know is the worst site, but let's do this for the exercise. (laughs) Uh, Illinois has nine ESPN, top 100 recruits. They had the most in the tournament. Who did they play? They played Arkansas. Arkansas has five, which is, you know, tied for 10th in the tournament. But they beat the team with the most top 100 recruits. And then they go and play the next team who has eight, which is Kansas. So they knocked off the team with the most top 100s. Now they play the second most. And without Bill Self, with Eric Musselman on the sidelines, with X-Factors like a Jordan Walsh who does all the dirty work, I think Kyle's man... Kyle over there, I, I mean, he's trying to figure out who's going to replace Dane Danger. I think he he Danger. had like a space jam moment where he transfers his love to Jordan Walsh. Jordan Walsh had a great game today. He does the little stuff, like I said. And I think in this matchup against Kansas, Arkansas is just kind of a maybe a, maybe a more battle-tested team at this point because of all the the downward spirals and, and ups and downs up and down. of the season. Yeah. You know what I mean? They, like,
2: well, they've had a storm.
0: you know, And not now a, they have an opportunity. And this team is so talented, like we saw in Maui, when you put a talented group, like they played Creighton, and that was one of the best games of the year. That was before Brazil got hurt. But when you put a talented team in front of them, these guys, their eyes get bright. They, they know what an opportunity looks like. Nick Smith, in that game, he warmed up and kind of teased the idea he was going to play, ended up not playing. But they know what the moment is. They know what the stage is. And Eric Musselman, I'll be quite honest with you. When I was, you know, in Maui, Eric Musselman told us he's there to win a championship this year. That Mm -hmm. is the expectation from his boosters. That is the expectation from people around the program. That's the type of talent that they brought in this year. You know, Nick Smith is a a guy who's going to be a top five, at least top ten pick in the NBA draft. And he's playing. And Anthony Black is a top ten pick in the NBA draft. And he's healthy. And he's playing. And as you look at this matchup and circle it, it was a game where, you know, Illinois hung around a little bit. But for the most part, they dominated this game Mm -hmm. and they have a great opportunity in front of them. And if they have the better coach on the sidelines, advantage Arkansas. And I'm not saying that they're going to beat Kansas, but with Bill Self not being there, and I hope he is there because I love Coach Self. I hope he coaches. But if he's not there, advantage Muscleman, advantage Arkansas. Which is crazy that a uh, that an eight seed can can have quote unquote maybe an advantage and an opportunity here and that's how crazy this tournament's gonna be I think
2: yeah it's yeah, you were talking about uh, they got a big game out of Council this year um, or th- th- today. I mean, he played almost forty minutes. He, had, he might he, be their best player. By yeah, the way. he might end up being. He's their not best their best player. prospect. I mean, he yeah. might be their best player. Which, yeah, totally. I mean, he got he got to the line twelve times and hit eleven of them. Um, and yeah, he had eighteen points, three one for three from the line. But overall, they didn't really get a whole lot out of out of Nick Smith, like you were talking about. In, in twenty eight minutes, he's had six points and it was two for ten from the field. I'm kind of he's making it harder for me to defend him at every turn because I'm still believing in him but uh it was funny today like in the Illinois game we got like we got the full Coleman Hawkins experience I mean there were there were different there were times where he made like an incredible defensive play got the ball you know recovered the deflection pushing it the other direction and just throws the worst pass you've ever seen I mean some of them were like enclosed in like a four or five second sequence and we were both because we both like reacted like oh we're excited like oh here we go and then he just immediately turns the ball over but I feel like Illinois just They were producing some open shots. They just couldn't knock them down. But, yeah, it sets us up for a pretty fun second-round game with Kansas.
0: Yeah, and then to add insult to injury for Illinois, right after the game, Sky Clark, who, you know, quit the team in January or stepped away from the team, he announces he's transferring to Louisville right after the game. And a lot of Illinois fans were upset about that. I felt bad for them. I have uh, a—I've said this on the show, but I have a soft spot for Illinois because of 2005— I love that 05 team minus when they played North oh, yeah, Carolina. Yeah, I was gonna
2: say, of course you love two thousand
0: five. Well, that's the most look,
2: ridiculous thing I've ever heard. Yeah, that's
0: a great team. And I, I love I, that game. They, it was great. No, it, I don't love the game. I don't love the game. I love the <laughs> team, and I uh, I feel like they're doing national championship. I want them to get it. It's not going to be this year. So I felt bad for Illinois. Let's take a quick break. Uh, you know, we just talked about the susceptible one seeds. We're gonna talk about the susceptible two seed uh, that ruined my day and made me go into a full free fall. But uh, we're gonna come back on the other side and talk about that.
1: This episode is brought to you by Thomas's. Thomas's presents Technique with Tom. Slicing an English muffin with a butter blade? Boulder Dash. Just pull apart with your hands and marvel in the nooks and crannies splendor. For each one is unique like a snowflake. (laughs) Thomas's. Huzzah! A toast to breakfast. This episode is brought to you by Hotels.com. My mind. And now finding the perfect hotel has never been easier thanks to the Hotels.com app. Whether you're looking for a family-friendly, right, all-inclusive, or a relaxing spa weekend, you can find exactly what you need and compare hotel prices, ratings, and amenities side-by-side. So start planning your next getaway and find your perfect somewhere in the Hotels.com app. This episode is brought to you by 7-Eleven. Cold, slurpy drinks and a hot summer day are a match made in heaven and your favorite refreshment. Just got even better. Let's talk about 7 Eleven's $1 small slurpy drink with seven rewards. It's the classic frozen fizzy treat you can't get anywhere else. I'm a blue raspberry guy. Just know that about me. Know that I'm about to be going forward. Anytime there's a drink like this, I'm in on the blue raspberry. If you're feeling thirsty, feeling thirsty right now, how about going to visit a 7 Eleven valid through 1725? 7-Eleven has the right to end this promotion early. Plus tax. Participating U.S. stores. See app for full terms. All rights reserved.
0: All right, coming back. We'll talk about this. Uh, you know, a lot of people in the world of basketball, smart minds, bright minds, a lot of geniuses out there. They said, Arizona basketball, this is the year, just like loot in 1997. Idiots. All of them. All of them are idiots. Who are you talking about specifically? I, I, I you, you know his name. You know his name. He's an <laughs> idiot. Um, no, I'm kidding. It's me. Uh, I'm the problem. Uh, I made a pick. I stuck my neck out there. I believed in Tommy Lloyd. Tommy Lloyd again won 58 games, tied Bill Guthridge, Bill Guthridge's record um, in his first two seasons at Arizona wins record. I thought that just like Bill Guthridge, he was due a Final Four run. Boy, was I wrong. Uh, the 215 game we saw it last year with St. Peter's. Um, We saw it with Oral Roberts, you know, the year before that against Ohio State. It has become a thing. Um, And Arizona in particular, this is their second time that they've lost to a 15 as a program. They're also the only program to have lost to an 11 seed, a 12 seed, a 13 seed, a 14 seed, and a 15 seed. So if you're an Arizona fan, at least you're making history. At least you're sticking your neck out there. It hurt my heart to watch. And unfortunately, the Kirk Crease experience (laughs) Just blows up in my face yet again. I I feel like Wiley Coyote, and I have gotten the bomb, and it has blown up in my face. And I should have seen it coming from a mile away. Again, this is right logic, wrong pick. The right logic was a two seed from the Pac-12 is going to make a run to the Final Four. It was the wrong pick because I think it's going to be UCLA and not Arizona. So uh, I apologize to the Bruins fans. I apologize to the Wildcats out there. I apologize to everyone that that bought into my bracket because boy was this bad.
2: Yeah, there was an interesting thing that happened with the way that this game played out and like the 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 strategy and I was going back, you know, we watched the game live and sometimes sometimes you get to circle back and kind of check the, the tape and some patterns and see what happened and you know, in this game Arizona ran 27 pick and rolls to Princeton's Princeton's 10 and they were productive. I mean, 0.926, I mean, it's not terrible for a college team. But I went and I was looking, I was like, let's see if anything kind of jumps out about the way Princeton attacked this game. Princeton had 12 sequences of isolation to to Arizona's one. And against a team that would, like, perceivably be more, like, athletically superior... I went back and I was just kind of checking in on what was happening there. And uh, Tubelis is what was happening there. Mm. Princeton, a team that not a not a major conference team, not a high major, not a team with the re- recruiting resources that that in an Arizona has. And we've talked about Lloyd's philosophy. He's tried to carve out that thing that he brought to Gonzaga. Huge international presence on this team. Uh, they just, they m- mercilessly, relentlessly attacked Tubelis in this game. Whether it was in the pick and roll, they tried, they were just, it was crazy. You and I were like watching, like rewatching some of these sequences where they would they would just try to find. They they would go so far out of their way to attack Tubellas. um, and it it really really hurt Arizona. And it, it's a thing like where you know. Over and over again, you would just see Arizona uh, help defenders jump into the gap to try to help, and then they're just like burning a ton of calories trying to you know recover. And you made a good point that they did recover, but that wears you down like over and over again. And it's like for for this game to have played out the way that it did, and Princeton still pulled it off, uh, it's it's got to be demoralizing if you're an Arizona fan because it it just feels like they just poked at that liability over and over and over and over again, and Arizona didn't either didn't have the options to make a choice because Tubellis gives you offense. Uh, But also you talked about like in the storm, Arizona looks freaked out to me. They look spooked. Yeah, Yeah,
0: they look absolutely shook. And it's funny because the reason I liked Arizona going into this is because I watched them in the Maui Invitational in a three-day, three-game tournament, weather the storm, react to runs, you know, respond, get buckets when they're needed. And a lot of it went through Tubelis, And I think what was so shocking and and as you were watching the tape and seeing them attack Tubelis, it was, one, Tubelis is a liability on defense, and the way that he could make up for it is by, I think he ended up having four steals in this game. So you try to make up with with him getting deflections, getting active, but when he got switched on a guy, he was getting beat every single time. And the other person that is going to take the blame that I brought up at the start of this, Kirk Creasa played 36 minutes. 36 minutes in this game. He has three points. He's one for seven from the field. He took seven threes. That's it. This is your point guard. Your point guard has two assists, and he has three points, and he played 36 minutes. And meanwhile, the 17-year-old phenom on your bench plays 12 minutes. He has five points in his 12 minutes. He's two of three from the field. And those screens that you were talking about, running around and getting back and, and covering for you know the guard that was trying to get the switch, Boswell did a great job doing that. Guess yeah. who didn't? Kirk Chrisa. So I, I just you
2: can you can have a steward of an offense like that. Like you can have a guy who doesn't have a huge like production, like output, like not a ton of points. Kind of just like running he had the foul show. Trouble as well. But, he
0: was worried about fouls. He ended up with four fouls in this game. So I, I, I can see that. Pella Larson also had foul yeah. trouble. But to to be in a situation where one guy can can basically, and I said this you know multiple times throughout the season with Chrisa. One guy can take you out of a game. Oh yeah, and I know that he is the heart of this team. So and I and I've watched him interact with the team. He's loved by everyone on the team. He's kind of like the voice of the team. He makes jokes. Everyone loves him. Kind of like the teacher's pet, right? Like if they have a, a banquet, he's the coach's award. That's what he is. Okay, Tommy Lloyd, please put this man on the bench. You know that like. <laughs> That was what I was yelling in my heart of hearts during this game. And it's no knock to Kerr because Kerr is talented, but sometimes he gets caught up in his own game of trying to be the hero, trying to make the big shot that saves him. And they just completely were thrown for a loop. They looked shook as Princeton kept fighting back. And if you know the history of Princeton basketball, I mean, Pete Carrill Pete Carrillo in 1996 played the national champs, the reigning national champs UCLA as a 13 seed and beat UCLA. Princeton is, that was Pete Grill's last big, you know, hoorah moment in basketball. But Princeton basketball, when they've been put in these positions, they play good basketball. They make things happen. I saw Chris Vernon put out a tweet, like, let's go to my Tigers. I, you know, I guess he went to <laughs> Princeton. Um, or if he just, he likes all teams with Tigers. I don't know what it is. But it, it was one of those games where how do we not see the trap right in front of us? And I'm basically talking to myself right now. How did you not see that Princeton is the kind of smart team That can make Arizona look dumb. And that's what happened today. And for Tommy Lloyd's sake, everyone wants to talk about Tony Bennett and the tournament and things like that. Unfortunately, Tommy Lloyd's probably more the person we should be talking about right now as opposed to Tony Bennett. Because there's been talent there. We see it with Ben Mathurin. We see it with Coloco. We see it with Tubelis and Balo this year. I know Balo had the hand injury. but And Kirk Crease apparently had an injury as well. But a, lot, the, of injuries, a yeah. lot of injuries are coming up, but uh they they tend to come up after the game, um, which I don't like. The LeBron broken hand syndrome. Yeah, right, yeah, right. Yeah, yeah, and yeah. that's what today was with Arizona. I I am uh I'm hurt, you know. I, I am Ed Reed in the locker room, you know. I put my heart in this. Put my I heart hurt. in this shit, man. And uh and I can't believe this is the way that it all played out for Arizona. They had such a promising season. It felt like they were due a run. And the fact that it ended this way, you really just have to give credit to Princeton because they ran a great game plan things went their way and as the game got tight and got close at the end they wanted it And arizona like we said they did not look like they wanted it at all so looked a little aimless at times yeah. you know that's that's the kind of the thing that that that
2: jumps out whenever you watch some of these teams it's like what are they running what are they doing you know you whenever you whenever you start to get that vibe from a team it's that's when you can kind of feel like yeah you know the the, the purpose that they come down and try to run sometimes the defense dictates that but you know it's uh it's a tough one. It's a tough one. I'd I'd love to get kind of the Gallup poll on the approval rating of some of those, of a couple of these guys because this is a repeat of last year. This is this is the stuff that you know got them knocked out last year, and it kind of just makes you wonder, um, you know, what if if there's a breaking point or if they maybe bring somebody in to kind of just. I don't know. They got a lot of questions to answer. I think,
0: and when they have a team that goes and is tough against them and pushes them, like Houston last year, like TCU last year. I mean, Matherin saved them against TCU, Mm -hmm. and then they get to the next round, and then they got physically pushed. I think they got to get some toughness in that group. I I love the international flair. I'm a sucker for it. I'm a fan of Tommy Lloyd. I love their bigs, but they got to have some nasty. And I don't know where they get it. They probably can find it in the transfer portal, but they got to get somebody when. Even if Princeton can punk you, we got a problem. We got a major problem. I mean, shout out to the Ivy League. It's a tough basketball league. But when Princeton's punking you, you know, when Carlton Banks and the boys are punking you, you (laughs) got to look around and say, all right, what's going on here? We got to address this problem. There's a major problem going on at a higher level. And I hope Arizona can address that. I think if they do, they'll be better for it. They need they need like a couple American guards. Can I just say <laughs> is that, that your take give me some American guards like just <laughs> one or two. Just give me one or two American guards and I think you're going to be all right. Um, I but need that, to get an American boy in there. Get an American guard in there. All right. Well, there you go. Arizona broke my heart. Uh, that's all I got to say about that. Before we get out of here, let's run through some of our OS peers. These are the guys that we highlighted um, before going into the tournament. One of those guys that we both love plays for Mizzou. His name is Kobe Brown. And if you didn't see Kobe Brown play today, I'm sorry. Kobe, Kobe Brown played great. Um, shout out to Ryan Odom, coach of Utah State. Obviously, the guy behind the UMBC upset. Coached a good game today, but Mizzou and Kobe Brown, they were just too good. What did you see from Kobe Brown? And uh, he he won America over, I think, in the first game.
2: Oh, yeah. There's probably a lot of people who don't know about Kobe Brown. And it's interesting to see this like wave of kids named Kobe coming into the league. I'm yeah. named after Kyle Macy. I wanted to just throw that out there for anybody that shout gives out. a shit. Uh, no, I mean, in 33 minutes, he had 19 points, 7-8 seven, seven from the th- field three for four from three, eight rebounds to assist. He just kind of, he just, he fills up the box score all the way down to the end, whether or not he's getting like a triple double, but he's just somebody that just accumulates. I compared him to like a George
0: Niang type. He's just a smart player, switchable. Uh, he had a heck of a game today. Yeah, I was proud of Kobe Brown. I was excited to see Mizzou get a win. Um, Lamont Paris and the boys, they were, they were having fun after the game. Mizzou is one of those fan bases where we're good and we're better in college basketball when they're good because they're so passionate. And if you talk to any Mizzou fan, they all they want is Kansas. They're like, give me Kansas. And, and I enjoy that. Obviously, Kansas went and played there this year and blew them out. And, and that was his own separate story. But I like Mizzou's passion. I like the way they carry themselves as a program. I was happy to see them get a win. Another guy who's an osp that shined today, Sir Jabari Rice. This is who I wanted Kyle to pick to be his guy, but he won't do it. I keep throwing it at him. He's like, I don't care. <laughs> Serge Barry Rice, six man of the year, hit seven threes today, was really just the difference in this game. Every single time that it just felt like Texas needed a shot to, to keep Colgate at bay. Serge Barry Rice was the man who came up and made the shot. He was electric after the game in the post game. I feel really good about Rodney Terry after this first iteration in the tournament. I think he did a good job. And then the fun, Rico, I pointed out to you, Rodney Terry was scouting Penn State because he is, You know, obviously he was the assistant coach. Now he's the acting head coach. Mm -hmm. So he was doing the scouts as the assistant coach, but now he's the head coach and he's still doing the scouts. So shout out to Rodney Terry. I love to see that. Texas looked great today, and our boy Serge Barry Rice was hot as ever.
2: Yeah, Texas was awesome. I was telling you last ten games they've defensively really locked in. I know that's something that they focused on and talked about as an older team, really old tournament. As we talked about, defensive rating right now, last ten games, ninety four point six was this ninety eighth percentile. So they've been guarding the shit out of the ball, playing really, playing really good defense. And I don't think that I think we kept waiting for them to kind of be the teams of the past of like uh, you know the Texas team. They shoot the ball a little bit better than I think they get credit for. Um, they're going to be tough, man. Cause you know, if you can, if you can defend, you can kind of weather talking about weather in the storm, you can kind of weather offensive droughts and things like that. I, I think they're going to be, um,
0: they're going to be tough to play, man. And Colgate had the number one three point shooter in the country. And Jabari Rice, after the game, when they were talking to him, he said, we talked before the game, we're going to limit them to six or less threes. Colgate hit three threes. So Texas had a game plan. They knew what they were going to do. They knew what they were going to limit. They got exactly what they wanted out of this game. And Colgate, one of the best three point shooting teams of the country, does mm. not. So that says something about Texas.
2: Yeah, Keegan Records is the is a big guy with a man bun for Colgate. I was mm. really hoping that. I figured that could be one of maybe Kyle's men. Potentially, um, I was hoping <laughs> to see him get going. It didn't happen. Uh, I don't know. It just kind of felt like uh, there were there are a lot of kind of Cinderella dreams. Uh, you know, squashed today. And this was, this was one of them. It's just like, yeah, they just kind of choked the life out of them throughout that game.
0: Yeah. My dreams were squashed today. So I can, I can get a, I can get down with that. I can feel that. All right, before we get out of here, let's just go run through and get some shout outs. I want to shout out Brian Dutcher. Um, this is his first win in the NCAA tournament. The head coach of San Diego state Dutcher was a Steve Fisher uh, disciple took over at SDSU. They had some great programs or some great years within that program, but he still was waiting for that first win in the NCAA tournament. He got it today over College of Charleston, a really good basketball team. That was a game that maybe flew a little bit under the radar, but it was good to see San Diego State get a win for the Mountain West because the Mountain West, they hadn't won a game in 11 straight before that uh, in the NCAA tournament since 2018. So uh, yeah, the Mountain West really needed that. Shout out to Brian Dutcher. Um that w- that was much needed. Shout out to Duke, by the way. Um, America, they were all over Max A. Smith. They were all over the idea of Oral Roberts getting the 12-5 upset. I tried to tell you America. They will not go down easy. This yeah. Duke team is a lot better than they were earlier in the year, and they dominated this game, right, Kyle?
2: Yeah, it was it you could just feel it coming. This or Roberts team isn't as talented as that one that made it. Uh, you you were even making the point that you think they're a little overseated, not or maybe even a lot overseated. I uh, think they were like a 14-15 more so than a twelve. Right. But they came into this game. I mean, like Derek Lively had a heck of a game just in yep. the opening minutes. I feel like they established the tone of just like, nah, this ain't gonna happen. You know, he had like <laughs> six blocks early on in the game, four points, twelve rebounds. Uh, just dominated it defensively and i was telling you i was like i feel like if i were shire in the duke staff if uh you know chris carowell is nate james still on the staff at duke no carowell's there yeah uh, i always like carowell but uh as a player but yeah like i i feel like in the in the in the lead up to this game uh shire must have just been like you know man the talk around this game is that Ace Miss is going to make a fool of you. Yes, like, there's kind because Lively's kind of gotten criticized that you know he was like protected in you know kind of zone coverages in high school and he's been exposed and stuff like that. He came out and made a big statement today, and you know A. is like a career 2500 point score. Uh, that that career. I assume came to an end today. I don't know if he's going to get like a, a COVID year. I assume we not. don't know
0: anymore. Now yeah. anyone can play for a, however long at this point. Yes. yes,
2: yes, you can't you can't get rid of anybody. They just keep coming back. But uh, yeah, Duke, Duke, just they're coming around. They're getting healthy. They had those talented guys. You talking about stealing the titles, Duke? I don't know, what does it do to Coach K's legacy, uh, Tate? You know, what do you think it does to Coach K's legacy if, if Shire comes in here and immediately
0: wins a title like that's, that's a great question, and I've been tinkering and thinking about this as I was watching the games today, and I keep saying to myself, look, we all know right now, you're Mount Rushmore of coaches. Coach K is number one, right? If you, if you have anything else, you're just a hater. But I have to argue that if, you know, you're, you have the number one pick on your team You play a team coached by what some people are saying, the worst coach in the country, Hubert Davis. That's what they're saying on Twitter. Their words. That's their their words. That's what they're saying, which is, I think, incredulous and erroneous. But that's them. That's what they want to say. Erroneous. That's what they want to say. Let them say it. But if Coach K can't win with the number one pick against Coach Davis, and then the next year his guy, his number two comes in, and then wins the national championship— I mean, he can't be on the Mount Rushmore. He cannot be yeah. because we're saying that a man he was actually holding the program back, right? That's that's yeah. what you're saying at that. I point. think it
2: undermines his whole legacy. I think yeah, we've got to I think we've got to rethink I mean, it. I think, think about
0: think- if Palo wins rookie of the year. Yeah. You had the rookie of the year in the NBA. It's a bad luck, and and Brady Manic beat him.
2: Yeah, Brady Man. Manic. Brady Manic beat him. Yeah, that's, that's it's a t- it's a tough thing, you know. And I, I, you know, a lot of the Coach K commercials, I always feel like there's a, you know, you always talk about the race to 69. You know, what's <laughs> what's the race to asinine here in the mm-hmm. in the in, like like in terms of like that's a good race. You know, commercials that wear you down, and mm-hmm. you can kind of identify them quickly. You'll see one, and you'll be like, eh, that's kind of kind of an annoying gimmick to it, like. The Affleck commercials,
0: Coach I don't K, Mister K, and Don Staley. Th- those are the ones you're talking. Don about? Don Staley, great, Loves, to, you love know. Don Staley. Want to say that?
2: You know, there was a, There's some dialogue in there. You know, Don Staley's like, "Hey, there's a goat. There's a goat in our presence," and he's like, "You know, story of my life. I'm not. You know, I'm not trying to indict the writers of that commercial or you know, give them a hard time. Well, what but what I'm I saying just, is, yeah, he yeah. the goat if he lost to Hubert Davis with the number one pick. I think we got to rethink all of it. I think Bob Knight was right to wear a green sweater to his to his win ceremony yes. back in Madison Square. Well, he did Garden. that for I,
0: Army because Coach K's an Army guy. At the end of the day, that's what people know. Everyone knows that. That's that's close to him.
2: Everybody but me, I guess. Uh, <laughs> but yeah, like uh, I knew about the Army thing. I guess to do 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 that calculus. We stay with the bit, Tate. Yeah, uh, no, yeah. I just think uh, I think we got to re legislate his whole career. I think if Duke wins this title, and I hate to say that, it sober's me and upsets me to yeah i'll just kid i'm just kidding it doesn't No, we're kidding all, we're but, kidding but,
0: it's actually it's uh, fun to have mr k back because i missed him you know like i on un- unfortunately i do kind of miss him and then this is this would be like in austin powers right if dr evil stepped down and says you know what i'm done trying to take over the world you know the game has passed me by I, i'm scott done. takes over yeah right and then scott wins and then yeah. scott takes over the world And literally is just stomping around and he's like, this is my place. He didn't even have his own office yet, but he's still like, I run the world. That is what we're looking at. And if that happens, like we would have to reevaluate the whole thing, you know? And if you're number two. Like no, we need number two number to step two. in, Chris Carwell, and let us know who actually is the guy. Yeah. We'll talk about it. We'll figure it out. We got time. We got time.
2: I yeah, I just I think all of this is going to push him to take the army job. And then next right. year we get a we get another 15-2. And, and, you know, army versus I think that's the only way for him to win this back. I'm not trying to set all these things into motion. I also wanted to add um uh, something that I was really noticing today is how much Brad Underwood looks like Brennan Gleason. I just wanted to throw that. If you yeah. just literally just swapped Brennan Gleason onto the bench for Illinois, I wouldn't, I just see, you know, I just see like, like a weathered coach who's seen some shit. Like I just see Brennan Gleeson. He absolutely could pass as a as, as a basketball coach. And I could easily see Brad Underwood, intense guy, you know, mm-hmm. carrying a lot of demons. I could see him, you know, I could see him uh, serving as Mad-Eye Moody and Harry Potter. I don't know. Right. I, I'm not saying that. I, I'm just kind of on a costume thing. I think Bob Huggins should go with the guns and things. And I think Brad Underwood should absolutely get a false eye that twitches around. Just lean into it. That's kind of a theme of the show, Tate, I think, is like lean into it. Lean you know, into don't it. Don't resist. Uh, I I just think that those things should happen. Um, his stress level seems high. Hopefully he can get some relaxation now that uh, the must bus ran him over. Yeah,
0: uh, take a break, Brad. We love you on this show. Uh, the Banshees of the Illini, I guess, is what he is. Um, <laughs> let him let him live his life. Let him have his fun. Uh, a couple more notes before we get out of here. Shout out to Rick Barnes. He survived the first round. Louisiana, they gave him a game. My, my Raging Cajuns, I saw it in person. Bob Marlin, he was fired up. He almost made it happen, but Rick Barnes survives, moves on, going to play Duke. That'll be a fun game. And finally, shout-out to Micah Shrewsbury and Penn State because a lot of people um, did not want to pick Penn State, myself included. They didn't want to believe in Jalen Pickett. Jalen Pickett is an osp peer. Lock it in. Only player in the country that has averaged six assists and six rebounds. He's a special kind of player. I like him, man. I like him. I he's, like him, and I like this Penn State team. They're a tough team. And Texas A&M, I thought, was maybe a little underseeded. And boy, do I look dumb again because uh, Penn State got it done today. They dominated this game.
2: Yeah, they were kind of like uh, they were kind of like fiddling with the gun that they wanted to shoot people with over over the over the like we were underseeded thing, and then they were like looking down the barrel and they shot themselves with it. Like I, I just feel like it was it was it was a tough look. It wasn't what you wanted. I'm sure that that Buzz will have them bouncing back, but I I also was going to say yeah Pickett Pickett just I I feel like people kind of got introduced to him today like a character because he got that funky game he's got that like he's got that Mark Jackson thing where he'll he could just as easily hit a dribble pull up three in a pick and roll or he he sees a little mismatch and he does that Mark Jackson like I'm going to back you down I'm going to punish it he just that game was never close, man. Tamu, uh, t- Texas A&M, they just, uh, can I call him Tamu? Do people call him that? I don't know, but you can. I'll allow it. Yeah, did, Kyle says it's fine. Yeah, well, you know, Kyle's the standard for all that <laughs> college basketball wisdom, so I think we just keep moving here. Uh, yeah, I just Pickett it, pick it, had a hell of a game. Penn State had a heck of a game. And, and pe- speaking of people
0: who, uh, who picked or didn't pick them, I just wanted to throw out there that I picked them. So you did pick them. So I did. did I. Kyle picked them as well. Just listen to these guys. Don't listen to me. Fade me. Um, I think I put five picks on the Bill Simmons podcast, and I think all of them have not hit yet. Um, Kansas to make the final four is still outstanding. UConn, my heart pick. A lot of people talk about my head pick. My head pick is always going to be wrong. My heart pick says UConn. They're still in the field. So lock in on that. Think about that. Tweet about that. Um, and that's what you should focus on, America. Don't worry about the rest. we got a great day of basketball tomorrow. It starts early. This was day one. This is day one, and I'm already filled up with excitement. I'm already ready to go for day two. We got USC, Michigan State to kick things off tomorrow. We got Andy Infield, Tom Izzo. That's going to be a fun game. Um, is there one game tomorrow, Kyle, that we should circle that you're looking forward to? Um, we've got a lot of good options. I think NC State Creighton might be the game for me that everyone wants to see.
2: I think we're all excited about it. We're yeah. a DJ Burns pod. We're a Terquavion Smith pod. We like those guys. We like the way Shireman. we pod. love. We're Shireman guys. I yeah. was inside. So Insufferable, all Kentucky fans were. I when he picked Creighton, I threw a, a hissy fit on Twitter. I was like, I
0: think this is a mistake. How should have pick German?
2: Uh Just doing my typical insufferable thing. I think Indiana Kent State could be an upset. It probably won't be because I pointed it out. Uh, and then uh, that was
0: I, one of my picks for Bill. So that's definitely not going to happen. In fact, if you were taking Kent State right now, change course. Go Indiana. Hammer it home. And we'll see what happens.
2: I don't know if this is something we can leave in the pod, but could you do an impression of Bill being mad at you for giving him the wrong pick? Are you allowed to do it? Are you allowed to
0: do it? what the hell? (laughs) I just like, a lock, a lock. But no, I don't think Bill cares because he called Princeton. And i picked arizona to win the championship and bill bet princeton this morning so he gets it he knows me he knows what's going
2: on he kind of middle fingered you there he, <laughs> you you came on the show and he just turned around and was like nah he's it's like, kind of the uh he's like, i
0: don't know i like princeton it's the uh
2: <laughs> it's the i always say it's the homer simpson meme where he has the card in his pocket he's like do the opposite of what the boy says that's yes. kind of what he did there yes. to you i thought that was he that was, was right. a tough beat uh, yeah the that was right i'm I don't know. I don't want to fix it on the Creighton-NC State game, but I think it'll be fun. And uh, yeah, I think uh, obviously I'm a, I'm a little bit dreading the Kentucky-Providence game. I know people are pregnant and to delight in my misery on that. But you know what, Tate? I'm going to lean into it because it's going to be more fun for people to laugh at me if I'm miserable. So, and I'm kind of starting to talk myself into this, these matchups. I'm sorry. I just want to apologize. I know my Kentucky people that, you know, that dip into my college basketball stuff. I got it, you know, some comments about Hey man, you are super negative. <laughs> and like I was doing a bit, a little bit, but I right. was kind of half
0: serious. You're hedging your heart,
2: but. We worked our way back to it. I'm kind of like thinking, like I kind of like these matchups, and you know, like I kind of could see them getting to the Sweet Sixteen, but they won't do it just because I said that. So I'm kind of, I don't know. I'm ready. I'm ready. I'm excited for the. I'm I'm excited for day two. It's gonna be good.
0: It's gonna be great. It's a lot of basketball that we're gonna watch together. We're gonna be right back here tomorrow night. We're gonna run down all the hottest stories of the day. We're gonna talk about some of the commercial. We'll talk about some of the stuff, the nuanced stuff we couldn't get into. There's too much to talk about right now. Kyle is literally waving us out of the studio. He's yeah, like, he's I want to go home. Pissed. Please show shut up. please shut up. That's what he's saying. But look, this is March Madness. This is college basketball. This is One Shining Podcast. I'm Tate Frazier. I apologize for my Arizona pick. I really do. Um, I still love you all. I still love the friends of the program. And as Kyle just said, it's better when they're Freud. right? There's be- sure. It's better when people can come in and laugh at the misery. That's what we want. We're all here together. We're all friends of the program. We all just want good basketball. That's all that matters. I don't care about my bracket. I care about a great tournament. And that's what we got so far. The madness will continue. We will be back tomorrow night. Kyle, anything else before we get out of here? No, I I just, uh, (laughs) yeah. (laughs) Good, let's get out of here. This is One Shining Podcast. Appreciate everyone listening, and we'll see you tomorrow night.